Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today, I'm going to cover Working by Robert A. Carroll. The tagline, Researching, Interviewing, and Writing. This is book 24 for my 2021 reading list. Well, after reading the four-book LBJ series earlier this year, I had a very strong desire to get to know the author more. And so this book, Working, was released in 2019, and it seemed to be the best place to fulfill that desire. Here's Carol's description in the introduction of what this one contains. In this book are some scattered, almost random glimpses of a few encounters I've had while doing the research on the Moses and Johnson biographies, encounters both with documents and with witnesses, end quote. And it, it actually is pretty scattered. I, I was, uh, it was interesting to me that he, that he used that term, that it was scattered, because it's very Uncaro-like. So this book has some, uh, some new writings, but it's also mixed in with a Paris Review interview, and then also just kind of, he, he rehashes a little bit what's in his books. So if this were to be your first book by Robert Caro, I don't, I don't think you would enjoy it as much as maybe reading another book about the writing process. So if you're going into it for that reason to learning about uh, about the writing process, there, there's probably some better books out there. But if you have read one of the biographies by Carroll, I think this would be a very enjoyable book for you because he, what he does here is he, he kind of pulls back the curtain to see what what goes into some of the stories that really stick out, some even some of the sentences that stick out, and you see what it took for him to get that that information. I couldn't really put this book down. I, I, I loved it. And, and I'm on a Robert Carroll kick right now. So I, I added this book. This was not on my original 2021 reading list, but after reading that LBJ series, I, I wanted to learn more. And then I've also added The Power Broker, which is Carroll's first book. And that, that was that's the one about Robert Moses. And so I've added that to this year's reading list as well. And, and that'll be coming up um, in, in my reading list at some point. So later in the introduction to this book, Carol reveals that in addition to continuing his work on the fifth book of the LBJ series, he also plans to write a memoir and that that memoir is going to be a large book. However, he also reveals his age, which in 2019 was 83, so he's 85 right now. And so there's the very real possibility that he may never get to finish that memoir. And hopefully he gets to finish the LBJ book, the the final book of that series. Um, So this one working is, is is a quick book. It's a short book, and it highlights some of his researching, interviewing, and writing processes. So what this book working is, is, is that peek behind the curtain. It's, it's, it made me think of like when you used to get a DVD and they would have the extras on there and, and the extras would show you how the film was actually created. That, that's kind of like what this is, but, but in book, in, in the sense of a book of, of how he puts his books together, how he creates these scenes that are so vivid when you're reading them and how, how he gets the research, how he gets the, the interviews and how he gathers from these documents and from these people he's interviewing how things looked, sounded, and felt. I, I would get chills when I would read the LBJ 
series. And, and this book describes some of those scenes and, and then just how he pulled these, the unexpected ways that he would pull the details. And, and I'll go into some of those in, in the next segment, but uh, that was really fascinating in, in this book. So it just made this whole LBJ series all that more special for me to see what went into it and to see how it all came together. So for reading stats, this was a, a pretty quick book. It just took it, it took four hours and 51 minutes to read it. It's a 207 page book. I read it from May 29th to May 31st, 2021. So that was roughly 69 pages per day. So in the next segment here, I'm going to cover the some some things that stuck out to me and in, in, in things that I learned in this in this book uh, about how Robert Carroll writes and just about his his process. And then in the final segment, I will share the one thing, my one key takeaway from Working by Robert Carroll. Robert Carroll has written six books, including this one. The first was The Power Broker, and that was a Pulitzer Prize winner. And that book is about Robert Moses. The next four are about LBJ. And then uh, one of those books was also a Pulitzer Prize winner, The Master of the Senate. And then now this book, Working. And then, as I mentioned earlier, he has two more that are in the works, the final LBJ book and then this, this larger memoir. So Carroll is interested in political power. It's what drew him to Robert Moses, but there was something unique about Moses's power. And so here's what Caro says in, in, on page 13 of this book. I kept thinking, everything you've been doing is BS. Underlying every one of my stories was the traditional belief that you're in a democracy and the power in a democracy comes from being elected. Yet here was a man, Robert Moses, who had never been elected to anything, and he had enough power to turn around a whole state government in one day. And he's had this power for more than 40 years. And you, Bob Caro, who are supposed to be writing about politi po political power and explaining it, you have no idea where he got this power. And thinking about it later, I realized, and neither does anybody else, end quote. So that's really what got Robert Caro into, into this. He, he was doing an, an interview for a, for a newspaper in a news piece, and, and he realized that he did not understand the very thing he was supposed to be writing about. And so the book about Robert Moses is about urban political power, political power within a city. After that, Carol wanted to write about national political power. So let me read a, a, a few sections uh, about in the, in, in the middle of this book. Uh, and when I finished that book, so referring to the Moses book, when I finished that book, I knew the one I would like to do next a book about national political power. And I felt that I had learned that if you choose the right man, you could show quite a bit about power through the life of that man. And then continuing on later, if you choose that man, the man who did something no one else had done and can figure out how he did it, you get insights into the essence of power. So I said, who did something like that nationally? Something that no one had done before. Lyndon Johnson. It was his six years 1955 through 1960, as Senate Majority Leader, for a hundred years before Lyndon Johnson, since the era of Webster, Clay, and Calhoun, no one had been able to make the Senate work. As in the 59 years since Lyndon Johnson left the Senate, no one's been able to make the Senate work. But he made it work. During the six years of his leadership, in fact, the Senate became the center of, center of government 
Governmental in- Ingenuity, Creativity, and Energy in Washington. And end quote. So he chose LBJ because of his Senate years. And I, I, I think that is so fascinating because it wasn't because of what LBJ did as president. It's because of his work in the Senate. And, and you see this, that the, the Pulitzer Prize winner, winning book of that four book series is the, the master of the Senate. It's, it's, it's the thing that initially drew Caro to LBJ. So you also see it just in this series as a whole. So going into reading the LBJ series, I assumed that the majority of it would be about his presidency. But in fact, a very small portion of those first four books are actually when LBJ is president. The first book deals with his early years. The second book is his first Senate race. The, the majority of the book is his first Senate race, uh, covers most of the, the years in the 1940s. And then the, the third book is his Senate years. And then his fourth book, the, the fourth book is about um, the years where he is vice president. And then uh, the first year where he is, is president after Kennedy is assassinated. So just a very small portion about Kennedy as president, and the fifth book will be majority about his time as president. But he's Caro uh, is not only interested in political power; he's interested in writing well, and that comprises a, lot, a, a large part of this book as well. Just that process of uh, he he believes nonfiction should be it should be written like fiction in the sense that you provide a feeling of place, a sense of place, and you get the reader to see and hear and feel what the protagonist would, would feel, see and hear, or what those in the, in the situation would, would sense. And so his objective is to get away from just the mere regurgitation of facts but to get you to the place where you are actually feeling what LBJ felt or you're hearing what he would have thought. And you, you see this in the way that, that Carol interviews people. He just keeps asking them over and over, what did you feel? What did you, what did you see? What did you hear? And, and it drives the people crazy that he's interviewing, but he, he really wants to get in that and he, and he wants to understand what it would have been like to be there. So I want to read one, one other quote here. Uh, this comes later in the book. If a biographer describes accurately enough the setting in which an action took place, and if he has accurately enough presented the protagonist's character, the reader will be helped to understand the emotions that the setting evoked in the protagonist and will better understand the significance that the action held for him, end quote. That's just a little preamble into now the the other part here of segment two, where I just want to share three overall things that I learned in in this book. And the first is that Robert Caro spent three years living in the hill country of Texas. Now, if you listen to any of the episodes I, I did where I covered the LBJ series, one of my main takeaways was from the introduction of the first book, where Robert Caro says that you cannot understand LBJ if you do not understand the hill country of Texas. And then he goes on to, in, in the whole first section of that book is about the hill country of Texas. And you realize that Indeed, you would not understand LBJ if you didn't understand the Hill Country of Texas. But what's interesting is that as as Carol was was traveling, so so Robert Carroll's from Manhattan, and he would travel down to this small small town in Texas, in the Hill Country of Texas, and and start interviewing interviewing people about LBJ. And he he was just not getting any information. So first of all, uh, 
people were like, okay, here's this guy from, from Manhattan. Uh, he doesn't understand us. Two, they didn't really want to say negative things about the most famous person from that area. And then three, they had been inundated with people interviewing them about, uh, about LBJ throughout their lives. So they, they had seen it all. And, and, you know, here's another guy, what's, what's this guy going to do? What's this guy going to learn? But when Robert Carroll decided that he and his wife were going to move from Manhattan to the hill country of Texas to live there for three years to really get a sense of the place, he said that's when everything shifted because now people opened up. They realized that he had moved there. He, he was going to stay there and they opened up to him and they were forthcoming and he, he would start before he moved there, he would hear this phrase over and over uh, when he would say something. It'd be like, well, that's not exactly how it happened. But then the the people wouldn't say anymore. But after he moved there, people began to open up. And that changed everything because once people opened up, then he could take what he was learning into other interviews. But if he's just going in fresh, he doesn't he doesn't know the full story. He just, he knows a, a small part of it. And what what's really interesting about the, the Hill Country part of it is that Robert Carroll went in to this series thinking that, that LBJ's childhood would only take two chapters. And it's almost the entire first book is about his early years. But most people, most of the biographies that he that he was reading about LBJ just gave a, a short little overview of of his early years, but Carroll kept digging and he realized that there was that there was something there, to the point where he he now makes the joke. He says, "I'm working on the fifth of a projected three volume series, so I'm I'm working on the fifth book out of a projected three book series." Uh, so the, just kind of a humor there with with. Um, how, how many books it's ended up being. But part of that is that he just went in thinking uh, his early life would be so short. But as he dug in, he realized everyone had gotten it wrong. And as people opened up to him, he saw an entirely different side of LBJ and one that had huge ramifications for understanding the man to the point where if you knew what actually went on in his early life, it made his latter life and time as president, time as senator, it, it, it allowed that to make sense because you're looking at the same man. It's not, it's not that he was one way as a child and then uh, a different way later. You, you realize that you're looking at the same guy here. Second thing I learned in this book was just the antagonism of the subjects that he was writing about. Um, and, and then also tied in with the reputation that Carroll got as he wrote more and more. So, so first the antagonism, uh, Carroll was, he was just so good at digging deep and, and finding information that it ended up kind of biting him because he found out something about Robert Moses and Carroll had, I, I believe seven interviews with, with, uh, with Robert Moses, but he got to the point where he found out about some, uh, a payment that Robert Moses received. It was $10,000 and, and Robert Moses didn't think anyone would, would find out about that. But, uh, Carroll knew about it and he brought it up in the most indirect way that he could think of. And all he actually did was mention the person's name who gave him that 
that uh, that money. And Robert Moses realized that if if Caro knew that person, he likely knew that he had received money from him. And so Robert Moses cut that meeting short, and then he never met with Robert Caro again before before passing away. And that was all just by simply mentioning a name. When the book came out, Robert Moses did not like the book. He wrote a, a thing against it. And um, and so that on, on Robert Moses' side, um, he was not pleased with the book. But And, and so Carol had to work past that. It, it wasn't like everybody was forthcoming with, with information. Carol really had to dig to get the information. So I, I found that really interesting. The The, the other really funny thing and and this was this was something that that just blew me away but um because of of Caro's reputation of digging deep with that first book the power broker when he started writing about LBJ it came to the point where well I, I covered this in one of the episodes, but LBJ had uh, had a number of of mistresses and, and affairs and, and all that. But there was one in particular with with a woman named Alice Glass that was really outside of the norm for for LBJ, and he took risks with this woman that he didn't in really any other part of his life. Like he had this ambition to become president, and nothing was going to get in his way. Alice Glass really could have gotten in in the way, uh, and and I. It, I described that in that in that episode, uh, the, for the reasons why. But because of of how Carol wrote about Robert Moses and the power broker, Alice Glass's sister knew that Robert Carroll would find out about Alice Glass in in his research about LBJ, and so <laughs> Alice Glass Glass's sister took the initiative to come and meet with Carol so that she could tell her side of the story as well. And I just found that so incredible. I mean, Alice Glass found Caro's office and, and arrived at his office uh, unannounced to, to say, look, I know, you're, I know based on your reputation, I know you're going to find out about my sister. And so let, let me give you some more some more details. Um, and then also just with the antagonism of, of the subject, uh, it, it sounds like the, the Johnson library and, and the Johnson family have not really been pleased with, with the Caro books, uh, because he, he, he just digs and, and finds, finds a lot of things. So, uh, I found that to be interesting that the third thing I learned here is just, there, there is a lot of information about Robert Caro's writing process as well. And uh, so I'll just share a few things about that. One, he has one research assistant, and he's had one research assistant his whole life, and that is his wife, his wife, Ina. And she has been there the entire time. I mean, she goes, they, they, they're kind of a team. They, they work together. She does a lot of research uh, with him. And, um, and uh, you, you would not have these books without, without Robert Caro's wife. But he doesn't have this huge staff of people doing research and stuff. It's just him and his wife. And they've, they've done this their whole, their whole lives. He spent four decades just on these LBJ books. Uh, they've gone through, through hundreds of thousands of documents from the, the LBJ library. And they've, they've done it, just, just the two of them. Uh, the, the, also, really interesting information just on how Robert Caro maps out his books um, he'll he'll write like a few chapters that cover the entire book, and so he he gets it down to that, and then he'll from there he'll kind of expand it more, and and he just creates a framework that everything fits in, and then he just goes about filling in that thing. But he didn't he didn't mention this, but just something I noticed too while reading his books, his his 
his book titles are are so concise and they capture so much that his book titles are even more pared down than than even those you know those few paragraphs that he narrows these huge books down to and he's just a master in that sense of being able to to have a title that that f- captures what he's writing about have a few paragraphs that that he can write that then this is what is going to be the book uh and then and then going from there in 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 this book he describes just the difficulty of maintaining a, a consistent theme throughout such a large book and so just to see that process of how he does that and and it, it, that was really interesting and then just his his the 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 way he does things. Uh, uh, somebody, I've, I've heard uh, one author joke on uh, on a, on different podcasts where uh, one question he gets a lot in um, at, at seminars and stuff is, "What kind of pencil do you use?" Like as if the pencil that he uses is is going to make someone else a great writer. Um, that's not the case. But the what what's interesting here is just he he talks about how he approaches his books. And the first thing he does is long form. So he he's writing he's writing out what he wants to say. And so he does that, you know, by pencil and and you actually see some pages in this book of of his writing. He writes in cursive and um and and so you see that. Next he takes it and puts it and types it out on a typewriter. So he does not use a computer. He you know, there's something romantic about this, but he he's got one typewriter sitting on his desk and that's it. So after he's written out long longhand long form, he then types it, but he does it triple spaced. So once he's typed it, he has a ton of room to cross stuff out, write in new things, and that's the next part of the art part of the process. And then and then he just descri- describes what he goes from there and then how it eventually gets into the to the final chapters. But if 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 you've read LB, uh, if you've read the the books by Robert Caro, uh, just learning about this and learning about how he got a lot of the information is just so fascinating. But then if, if you are interested in the writing process as well, there there's a little bit of information about that there in, in this book as well. Now into segment three in the one thing, my one key takeaway from working by Robert Carroll. Let me set this up a little bit. Uh, LBJ had a brother, Sam Houston Johnson. And Sam had a reputation for severe drinking, bravado, and exaggeration that bordered on what Robert Caro said was untruthfulness. And it was to the point where Robert Caro was meeting with Sam a lot and trying to get good stories from him, but he didn't feel comfortable enough to use anything that he would tell him because he couldn't trust him. And so Sam would tell a story, and it's and it sounded great, but uh, as as Robert Carroll would interview other people and, and read documents and different things, he realized that it, there were a lot of pieces that were incorrect of the story, or it was just plain not true at all. And so Robert Carroll was his his response to that was just not to not use anything. But fast forward a few years, and Sam Houston Johnson gets cancer, and. Robert Caro is in Johnson City and he's walking around the downtown area and he he runs into LBJ's brother Sam Houston. After the cancer of of Sam's, uh, Robert Caro notices something different about him. So they go get coffee and the bravado is gone, the exaggeration is gone, 
and Robert Carroll has this idea, what if I can recreate what a dinner scene was like when Sam and Lyndon were growing up? What if we, what if I could recreate that and get Sam to open up? And instead of the exaggeration, instead of the untruths, instead of trying to make his brother seem bigger and greater than he was, what if just going back to that childhood and those dinners would spark something in Sam's mind? And so that that's what Robert Caro had in mind. He actually got it to where they could go into their childhood home, and he recreated that dinner scene. And let me just read what, what happens next year. Sitting there against the wall, I felt I was getting closer to the heart of Lyndon Johnson's boyhood. And when finally, after a, quite a long time, Sam, Sam Houston had stopped talking and was sitting quietly, very quiet and still, so still that I felt that he was in the grip of memory, memory as true as it could be after all these years, I said to him, now, Sam Houston, I want you to tell me again all those wonderful stories about Lyndon when you both were boys. The stories you told me before, just tell me, th- tell me them again with more details. There was a long pause. I can still see the scene, see the little stunted, crippled man sitting at the long plank table, see the shadows in the room, see myself, not wanting to move lest I break the spell, sitting there with my notebook against the wall saying, tell me those wonderful stories again. I can't, Sam Houston said. Why not, I asked. Because they never happened. I don't think there was a pause after that. In my memory, without a pause from Sam Houston or a question from me, he simply started talking. My notes tell me he began by saying, no one really understood what happened when Lyndon went to California, and related incident after incident, anecdote from Lyndon Johnson's youth. And in and end quote, it, it, he keeps going there. But but the point is that Carol recreated that scene, and man, just that powerful statement of t- asking Sam, tell me these stories again. Tell me these stories you've, you've been telling me over all these years. And Sam Houston says, I can't because they never happened. And that just opened up the floodgates for Carol to learn about LBJ's childhood. And having read that book and then, and then reading this, you you understand that had not had Caro not opened that floodgate, we would not have a lot of the information from that book. Because with that, Caro just sat and listened and got a ton of stories that he never would have had. But then that also armed Caro with additional information to where next time he's interviewing someone else that knows about Caro's that knows LBJ from childhood, he can, he can ask them about those stories. So it just, it opens up all these different avenues for, for Caro to go down. And it wouldn't have happened if he didn't have that foresight to just try a different way to get Sam to, to tell these stories and to not, for the stories not to be the, the untruth, but to, to tap into, to something to get the true story. This book is full of scattered stories like that. Caro has this rule that he will only use what he has in writing or is corroborated from interviews. So to see the ways in which he obtained some of this information is just truly astounding. And it makes me appreciate the, the LBJ series that I've read. It, it just makes me appreciate that so much more. And I can't wait to read the Robert Moses book, The, the Power Broker. So to recap, uh, 
my my one thing is just that of of how Kara was able to get this information and that story about Sam Houston in particular is just it's just so powerful. If you've read any of Carol's books, you, you need to read this book. It will help you recall some of the main scenes from the book, and it'll provide additional information and context into what, what it took to get that story, what it took to get that truth, and, what, and, and then how Carol wrote about it in a way that you would remember it. If you're like me, Carol's writing stood out to you. Particular sentences stood out to you. Particular words, even. And some of these items that stuck out are referenced in this book, Working. It, it makes it that much more powerful to know the story behind it. The great news is that book five is on the way, and there's a memoir after that. I, I hope Caro sticks around long enough to, to get those two things out. I, I just, I absolutely, I mean, the book I anticipate the most in my life right now is book five of the LBJ series. That's going to do it for this episode about the book. I do want to share one thing very quickly about uh, some changes I've made to my reading list for 2021. So one is just I added this book working. Um, I also, I've also added The Power Broker. So if you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know that um, I, I choose my books in advance for the year, and then I add all the number of pages together and divide that by 365. That lets me know how many pages I need to be reading per day. And this year I need to be around 45, I believe. And, and right now I'm, I'm around 49. So I'm, I'm a little ahead. And what that means is I can add some books to my list because, um, because I'm, I'm ahead. And so I've added the power broker and I've added this book. I have also added the New Testament. So last year I read through the Bible for the first time in my life, just just straight through without reading anything else. And I'd like to do that every every other year, maybe. Uh, so this year I'm just going to read the New Testament. Um, and and so that's uh, I'm actually reading that right now. And so I'm just going straight through that. Um, and here are some other books that that. I've perhaps added, they, they were on the original list, but but they're coming up. Uh, so Jason, my co-host, he has a book coming out in the at the end of this month, and I may be able to get advanced uh, a, a advanced copy of that. If I do, I'll be reading that very soon, and then I'll be covering that on the podcast coming up. I also just read through all of the books by economist Russ Roberts, but he also has a book coming out, but it's not coming. It was going to come out this year, but it, it's probably not going to come out till next year. But I also may be able to get advanced copy of that. And if I do, I'm going to wait to to release that Russ Roberts episode of all of his books until I, I read his new book as well. And then for the rest of this year coming up, these these are, are uh, the books that I already had on my list. 2021 was a year of series, so I focused on series of books. So I read the Narnia series, the LBJ series, the Lord of the Rings, all books by Russ Ramsey, all books by Russ Roberts. And then my two series remaining this year are The Civil War by Shelby Foote, and that is a three-book series, and then the Harry Potter series. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. Let me know what you thought about this book, if you've read it working, or uh, just think, uh, I'd love to hear too if you've read any of, the, of Kara's other books. Um, I've been meeting a lot of people and, and corresponding with people who have also loved the Caro books. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And the website 
booksoftitans.com is just stock full of resources to help you find the best books and to create your own reading list. I'll be back in a couple weeks discussing another book or another series of books from this year's reading list. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.